Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music and performance. If you are just tuning in for the first time, every single week I try and bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names in this gigantic big spongy globe. I talk to my guests about passion, first concerts, insights into the creative mind during this incredibly unusual time, and everything in the Juicy Center. I cannot contain my excitement because today I'm joined by one of my absolute favorite bands, the legends, the lovelies, Sylvanesso. I love making friends. <laughs> I also have Engineer Adam with me today. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. You tell me about the band. Let's talk a little bit more. Give listeners a little bit more insight about the band before we dig into the chat. We at the show have been very vocal supporters of Sylvanesso for mm-hmm. quite a while. If you haven't listened to them, obviously skip this part because you need to listen to yes, their Yes, yes. Go listen material. to every song they've ever released and <laughs> right. then come back here. We don't mind. We don't mind. But we do love their cover of Funeral Singers. Oh, yeah. That's a fantastic bye, track. Bye. Caliphone. <laughs> so it's the duo of Amelia Meath and Nick Sanborn, and they've been been uh, behind some of the most propulsive, explosive, mm-hmm. fantastic, heart-pumping jams, and they've been leading the biggest tear-inducing jump-along Whoa, dance geez. parties at That's festivals true. all around the world. We've seen them countless times we in have. many countries. Every time it's amazing. Do you remember when I was FaceTiming you at Oceaga yes. in, in Montreal, Canada in 2018? Yes. And I was standing at one of the stands eating or drinking something and i facetimed you because i couldn't believe there was a stampede it was a flock of human legs it was amazing. dust it was like one of those cartoons where it yes. was not the 
tumbleweed, but just legs. Just that's, cloud. Just thin cloud of people running toward the stage for Sylvanessa. And I thought I was FaceTiming you, and then the next second you were caught up in that cloud and you joined them. I was in it. You were in it. I was it. in it, baby. Suddenly on stage. <laughs> I was suddenly in for your, Sylvanessa. For your 20th. Uh, attendance of a Sylvanesso set. Such a perfect band to watch and experience live. Well, if you haven't experienced that, you're very lucky because mm-hmm. they just surprise released a live album and video. So you can get both the audio and the visual and you can experience what it's like to see them live. Not only is it a normal set, it's also from their 2019 With Tour, which is a, kind of like an expanded special edition, mm-hmm. let's say. They had a full band that included former podcast guest Jen Wozner of Y Oak mm-hmm. and uh, Amelia's bandmates and Mountain Man on harmonies, Adam Schatz of Landlady. Great, great band. So many incredible musicians. So we talk about a lot of that in this chat and what it took to bring those shows to life, what it's like to add saxophone and the beautiful bass clarinet, which I love. I love it. And two percussionists to their sound. Uh, the the Michelin Man, as <laughs> named by Amelia, is the inspiration behind her incredible stage costume. I want to call it incredible, but it's much larger. You'll see. There it is has, no words. It moves as well. <laughs> and an incredibly exciting exclusive here. Behind the scenes details from the duo's soon to be released third album. Oh, baby. That's coming out soon. Yeah. And uh, so much more. So let us not be delayed. This is me, Amelia and Nick. Enjoy and please take care of yourselves. Stay home. Wash those hands. Stay safe. Don't be a Wally. Just listen and enjoy. the rules. 
Netflix, yeah. Technicolor, yeah, every move. Can you keep them coming? Like a machine, yeah. Be your blue jean, yeah. What can we do to get you on the news? I want to ask how you are, but I don't know if that's too much of a loaded question. Maybe how are both of you currently this moment? In this moment, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I went running. Oh, nice. Yeah. We found a ground nest of, of, of oh. a, uh, a titmouse, the, com oh. the common North Carolinian titmouse. In our okay. at our studio, which is really exciting. Wait, I do not know what this thing. What is it? Is it a type of rodent? <laughs> no, it's a bird. It's a bird named a titmouse. <laughs> I was like, "What's this exotic mouse doing in your studio?" <laughs> Tell me more. Um, okay, wait. This is great. I have to. I have to Google it. Do you mind? No, please I do. They're so I really cute. They're really cute. I really love... I, my husband's kind of obsessed with birds, but I clearly don't listen to him when he speaks about them. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so what... Oh, he's very sweet. Right? He's got kind of like a, like a pointed head. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, so you found, you found the, the bird in your... It's got studio. a nest. And there are oh. five eggs. Very exciting. Oh my gosh. I know. High drama. And it's a ground nest, which seems so... But they, she did a very smart thing in that she laid her eggs like in our um, like our fenced off garden. So yeah. no predators can come and get her ground nest, which is super smart. Yeah. Except, Except for that mouse. The, the one that I created. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you have a studio at your home. That's really wonderful. It's really nice. It's it's about half an hour drive away from our house. So okay, it's been really nice to have another place to go. Oh, I'm sure. Are you? What are the restrictions like there? Are you allowed to like? What sort of lockdown are you on? Are you allowed to still walk outside? We can walk outside, um, but or there is a shelter in place order set but i go running every day yeah it's i mean it's it's kind of the same thing it is everywhere it's we can go outside to exercise or go hiking or do anything like that the all most of the restaurants are still open for takeout only you know everything's just outside and far apart is basically 
what the deal is. How long have you been quarantining for? Well, let's see. We were in Los Angeles. We were supposed to be in Los Angeles for the whole month of March. Uh, But then after about four days, maybe on the 10th or something like that, Mm -hmm. 11th. Yeah, we left on the 13th. Yeah, we left on the 13th. We all of a sudden, we went to a grocery store and LA was way ahead of where North Carolina even is still at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we both kind of just saw the writing on the wall that if we stayed there, we might get stuck there. And so we came home and we've been quarantining ever since. Oh my gosh. Are you, I mean, it sounds like you both are handling it. I don't know why I went up at the end of my sentence. (laughs) Are you? I mean. Like, are you? It's, yeah. it's, it's really, it's, it's super hard. I think fending off the weight of the existential dread on a day-to-day basis is kind of a title thing, but you know, all things considered, we're supremely lucky people. You know, we already work from home anyway. I mean, you know, we're going to end up not playing a bunch of shows we wanted to play, but that's a thing that we're lucky enough that we'll be able to survive it. Yeah. Um, so, so for just the two of us, it's, it's not, it's, it's, we're in a, we're in a pretty decent position compared with a a lot of people we know. As a pretty intense extrovert, uh, it's really sad for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. I've already started, like, even before the quarantine, I usually say, like, hello to everyone I run by when I'm running. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) you know, I'm so loud. I don't know if you're being sarcastic. No, I'm not. I'm totally serious. (laughs) I just love people so much, and I don't get to see them. And the way that I feel, like, the way that I feel most comfortable in my own skin is, like, uh, 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 like telling a joke in front of preferably over yeah. a thousand people that feels like yeah. really great. But it goes beyond that. I mean, it's it's always <laughs> been this way. It's down to like, like we always, me and our our, our manager and best friend Martin always make fun of her mm-hmm. for like we, what we call making friends. She makes friends, yeah, literally everywhere <laughs> we go with strangers. I love making friends. <laughs> I mean, listen, they. <laughs> They love making friends with you. I can tell you, as somebody who's experienced your concerts, Thank I was you. like, she's my best friend. She's my best friend today. <laughs> That's nice to hear. Sometimes when I get a little drunk. Also, I love bars. I love bars. Sometimes when I get so a little we're... drunk at a bar, I will give my number to everyone in the bar, which is really bad. It's the worst. I mean... I, I've had to stop doing it. Uh, I mean, it's, with a lot it's, of it's, urging, right? Yeah, with a lot of like nudging. Look, yeah. I think it's absolutely delightful. I will never tell you not to be this person. <laughs> I think it's. Absolutely there's nothing you charming. can say. Thank you. There's nothing you could say that would prevent her from being this person. This is the first situation in which she's been physically forced to not be this person, she's and it is like such that. an issue. It's so yeah. sad for me. <laughs> Also, nowadays, like even just looking at somebody walking past them, I feel like the especially I don't know about you, but I also do say hello to people when I'm walking past them. Um, But even now I'm finding people are looking down when I like even just look in their direction. I know everyone's scared. I understand it. But like, 
I would like just an acknowledgement, just a human, just a smile, maybe. Yeah. Or, I don't know, a fake one. Yeah. Or just a thumbs up. But the people who don't do that to me, who have dogs, they usually just make do with saying a very enthusiastic hello to their dog. And that usually <laughs> yeah. helps. Also, what no, a beautiful I dog. Would... That's a perfect dog, etc. Are fantastic yes. icebreakers. It's true. <laughs> I mean, in pre-quarantine or not those are great icebreakers i mean (laughs) also i would prefer to say hello to your dog versus you but that's just you know 100 percent. that's just that's part of the deal i feel like if you get a cute dog though you know you know what you're getting into there oh yeah the show isn't about Uh, you anymore no and it shouldn't be i mean when people tell me that my dog is great I feel as proud as a mother would feel if they birthed it. Like I'm, I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Tell me something new today. No, <laughs> no I'm very grateful. Very, very, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. But uh, you know, let's just keep it, keep it real here. I have a great dog. So going from all of this and then now being kind of cooped up, are you do what outside of music other than like running? Are you doing to make sure that your brains don't melt? Like how outside people do things that aren't music. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, welcome to 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Not much. I mean, cooking a lot. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, obviously okay. out of necessity, but it's also just a great, it's, yes. it's been kind of a positive thing that's been happening. It's mm. just cooking so much every day. I've never cleaned the kitchen more thoroughly and more <laughs> frequently yeah. than in the last month and whatever. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I've been playing, I haven't, I haven't been doing a very good job of keeping my brain from turning to mush. I'm listening. Okay. I'm playing Animal Crossing, which is very, very yeah. fun. I'm and I'm reading the overstory and listening to an audiobook. Um and that's about all I have time for, besides like working on see right when every we're yeah, we're like working on staging how to release a record in this climate. Yeah, so we're we're kind of We're still working all day. We're still working all day. <laughs> so have you finished the record or were you in LA to do the record? Like how what part of the process are you at with that now? Uh well we we're pretty close to being done. We were there to mix. Mm-hmm. So everything ah. was done. We were just there to mix. Um which I don't know, is it can we can we say that we're done mixing? I think we can just yeah, say Yeah, why not? We're, we're done, done mixing. Yeah, it's, we're done it's, mixing. Yeah. Just let it out. There. Yeah, it's just off to let the it hang out. Yes, the record oh is God. done. <gasps> it's really exciting. I am so, I am so revoltingly excited. Like, I'm, like, I'm, like it's pathetic. Like, I cannot be cool right now. I'm like trying. I have. I'm like trying to keep cool about it and and professional. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I have to say, I'm such a huge fan. I'm like very, very red in my cheeks. I think I've covered you. I've never actually seen you guys play at a normal venue. I've only ever seen you play at festivals, which is really funny, like all over the world, which is interesting, right? Like be only, I mean, I don't know how different you are in smaller venues, but that's my experience of you at like big, big festivals. That's the vibe. Those are fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't. I, it's impossible for me to know how the show is different 
And that's, I yeah. think, one of the weird things about, about being in a band, especially because we play so many different sizes of things. You know, like in Europe, mm-hmm. we're like much smaller than we are here. So it's like we go over there and we play much smaller shows, but it still feels like the same show to me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. man, do I miss playing festivals. Oh, my gosh. We were supposed to play so many of them. Yeah, we were. <laughs> so, so, so what's happening now? So you don't know. Will you release it still this year if there isn't a tour in sight? Like, is that something that you've had a conversation about oh yeah we're like yeah yeah, we're in the midst of trying to like trying to figure out what that would look like and like Mm -hmm. how uh, i'll say this the idea of delaying it until this is all over is like a non-starter for both of us yeah it's like we're so excited about it yeah it's the best record we've ever made and it's like about (gasps) like right now so yeah it's it it's we wrote it all last year and somehow it feels like very prescient yeah so um so it's like to us it's like delaying is feels like i don't know a non-option i don't know we're just not and also we like we want people to hear it you yeah know? like no you want me just me <laughs> to hear it. i mean correction but i suppose having that conversation is strange right because not only is it like a, a tugs on like a personal boundary of you want as a creative you're always working towards this end goal but in this sense you don't know when this is all going to be over like there's no it's completely unending at the moment well and also like touring is how we and almost every band actually makes a living so it's it's you know there's a lot of stuff to weigh in even down to thinking about like our crew like how do we how do we make sure that all of the decisions we're making now don't adversely affect that? You know, it's like we there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly with the release thing now, it's just like we had this whole schedule for this year that was leading up to what we thought the release date was. But now it's kind of like, well, none of that can happen. So it's kind of whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, which is the beauty and also the really bad pain of it is that it's so completely out of our control. But also you can get onto Instagram live later and play a new song. Like yeah. there really isn't, there's no boundaries or rules for something like that for releasing music right now, which makes it kind of frightening too. It's really fascinating. I just don't, I don't, there isn't a right answer, but I think having a consideration of your crew is something that people maybe even listening to this conversation eventually maybe they don't even think of things like that how big tours are oh yeah will is so tall and i so fair and dean is so beautiful pretending not to care and i remember the road Especially, I mean, we're lucky enough to be at a scale where 
we can hang on until next year if we need to. But like, it's also at a scale where there's like a lot of people who work for us now, and a lot of people who were counting on going on the road with us this year. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of been the main thing we've been worrying about is how to make sure those people can last until next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are like it does seem we're also we're putting out a a live record or it's a such a fascinating climate to put out a live record because it feels like I know it's only been a month but it does feel like uh yeah. like such a far Olivia. away yeah it was crazy yeah. it was crazy even listening to the masters and watching the footage and stuff and being and having it like when people started clapping on the recordings, it like rattled me. Yeah, I know. You know, yeah. I okay. You know what we should clear up? Hold when on is a this second. Yeah, out? when is this coming out? <laughs> Today. No, I'm no, I think the record is is actually a, a surprise. Amelia loves not remembering when things are surprises. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing in my life is a surprise because <laughs> I expected all of this. <laughs> Well, the thing that was fun for us, because it was like, this was the thing that factored into how we rolled out this live thing that like last fall, we did this tour with a, a you know, a te- as a 10 piece uh, and just in these huge, crazy theaters uh, in the States. And it was just this magical thing. And we filmed it and we always knew we wanted to put it out. But then all of a sudden all this happened and like the way we were going to release it all just felt like it went out the window. And it was like, yeah. how can we make it feel as just like a fun relief exciting thing for the fans or whoever gives a shit as possible and so that was why it was like oh why don't we put out we'll say we're gonna screen this like video which will then just go on youtube and anyone anyone can watch it and then at midnight surprise will drop like way more songs in this big long live record you know, and it, that just seemed that just sounded like fun to us. Like yeah. I feel like I would love that if I was a fan of a band and, and did that. You know? And we built in the, a function in a, in the website so that you can you can uh, be like the organizer of a viewing party, like with your friends. Uh, yeah. So like, it'll, oh it'll be so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, can we just do that now? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go and do that now. Yeah. Like, thanks so much for chatting. <laughs> um, so is the record, does it have the songs recorded at those shows where you were, where you were filming? Yeah. Or is it different? Oh, right. Okay. And, there, and there's okay, a couple, so like, cause we did okay, two nights. And so there's a couple where we loved, you know, we loved stuff. So we switched it up a little bit for the live record. So there'd be something fun for them both. Okay. I mean, I've got to say like the films, even just opening reminded me of so much of, uh, stop making sense you know like the simplicity and like the big costume Thank and you. the spotlight Woo. Oh, we each kind of had man. our own version of the david Byrne giant suit for that yeah <laughs> it was so fun was it fun. really felt like i'm so glad that i got to see you so many times and also I, I take photos too and i got to shoot you as well because i feel like this whole experience like your performances has always felt really inclusive to me like there's this opening for people to join in, even though initially it's always just been the two of you well, from what I've seen on stage. And now there was just this caliber of artists next to you. And then these cuts away. I just really loved the film. It looked like a lot of fun to make. Thank you. It was such a fun tour. 
Yeah. It was just, it was so much more than we could have ever expected it was going to be. You know, it like, it did a, it did a thing to even how I feel about our band that I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, I had, I knew it would be fun, but I thought it was going to be a fun excuse to hang out with a bunch of our friends and people we admire. Yeah. And then it turned into this whole other way more meaningful thing. I don't know. It was it was really special. Mm-hmm. It was really wonderful to learn also that like it's a thing. Our band is something that we can like truly share in a totally different way. Yeah, that that thing you talk about about the shows. I mean, that's something we talk about all the time about how we want everyone to feel like the it's theirs you know mm-hmm. like when they come to a show it's like they're meeting a bunch of people that they have never met but they already know no but it really does happen like i've covered festivals for a very long time and i swear people like when you come on stage the both of you i always turn around like if i'm in the pit and see people like running toward <laughs> the stage and i'm just like come on <laughs> Like people, there's never a bad, and I know that I can say this for a few other very select bands, but there's never a bad feeling like in the crowd. It's it's always like really connected and there's that sense of togetherness, you know, and that might sound weird, but it's such a strong feeling. That's the dream and that's yeah. the goal. And that's why yeah. we're so excited to like, particularly in this moment, mm-hmm. to be able to like hand people a reminder that that exists. Like, not just at our shows, but at shows in general, and to be able to, you know, it's such a strange thing to show solidarity by staying away from people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Like, this is this is how I'm caring for you by ignoring you. Yeah. Stepping (laughs) far away across the street. No, I know. It's really odd. It's but there's a sense of like consideration, weirdly, in the film where like I'm used to obviously in a lot of concert films I suppose they film the like the fans and their close-ups was that a consideration from your side to not include the the crowd like picture you know close-ups of the crowd you know we didn't it all came together super fast and mm. I think for us we had just been on this big tour and I'm not sure we I mean, this wasn't even really discussed that much. No, because it also, like, we only had, we were only really able to um, to film two shows. Okay. And because of that, and and also, like, two out of seven shows. So we right, really, and right. the, band, the band itself was, like, you know, like, uh, basically, like, the circus act where there's someone on a unicycle and a tightrope, like, carrying a bunch of things. Like, that's kind of what <laughs> yeah. it felt like to be in the band. And to, like, add the added element of, like, and there's going to be a camera guy right up in your face. Like, didn't seem like... We were, or- we were already, like, being very heavily documented anyway. Yes. <laughs> right, right. But we also, I think with the audience thing, w- one of our directions to the director was, uh, well, that's a weird sentence, but uh, one of our one of our ideas was we really wanted you to just feel with both the record and the film like you were at the show. Like you were at the show right up front watching. And occasionally we moved to like the balcony or like way back. We just wanted it to feel like you were there if that's how you wanted to feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, yeah, I, I just feel like it does, it feels like that. It feels like how the tour felt to me when I watch it. Obviously, I don't know what it was like to be at a show, but I know what it was like to play a show, and that's, it felt like that when I watched it. Yeah, the direct, yeah, Remedy, the company that did it, did a really good job yeah, of great. documenting the show. Yeah. 
I think they did as well, especially because it's such a new thing for your fans as well to experience that specific tour. I know that it was a kind of new thing. You've obviously both been in collaborate. You've been collaborative always. It's not just the two of you, but I think especially with the with tour, that was such a specific sense of feeling that you know people hadn't maybe seen from you guys before in that setting with those songs. You know, and plus we knew that we probably weren't going to get to do it again, or at least not anytime soon. You know, it's, it was such mm. a complicated thing to get that many people together for that, mm. that run of shows. And, and even then it was like, you know, business wise, it was like a terrible idea. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like it costs so much money to do that. Like, so it was like yeah. in FISA, we knew it wasn't a long-term feasible thing, at least at this point in our career. And so making it so that, and also we've got to do it so few times and in so few places. We knew there was so many people that probably would want to see it that weren't going to get to. Yeah. And so that was like a driving thing of like, man, if there's anybody who gives a shit about this and who can't go to one of these, we really want to make it so that they can at least get an idea of what it was. Yeah. And even for us, like the, the memory of it, you know, like, I'm so glad we have that document of that. Right, like just a little placeholder to tell that story. Absolutely. It's so important. It, and and you can go and like look at people shooting stuff from their iPhones, but this is this has the cutaway of the two of you talking about your journey as well. Um and also like rehearsing in the studio, which is something like that kind of behind the scenes is so it's such a rare experience for a viewer to experience that. Yeah. That period of rehearsal was so ecstatic and yeah. so fun. I was really happy. Also, we got to practice in a garage. I, I mean, know. like, it was just awesome. It was, like, so cool to take that and have all our friends in a garage, literally with moving right. blankets hung on the walls. And then the yeah. next thing that happened was we were in the L.A. Philharmonic. Yeah, you know what I mean? the it Walt was Disney just Concert like, Hall. So what shifted for you then? Because obviously having that experience, I think what's fascinating about collaboration, especially when you're collaborating on something that you've written, you've worked with all those musicians before, but you appreciate their versions of it as well. So what shifted in that experience for you? Like, did you look at your own material differently or? Yeah, it's it's always amazing to you know it's like when when you show somebody your childhood home or something like when you show them the a place a place that you know so well that you actually don't really see it anymore and then they like are making new observations about it that's what it felt like so all of a sudden we got this like new blueprint of what our songs actually were and we could see what they meant to those people to our friends you know it was like i didn't i didn't realize so many of our friends cared about our songs that much you know it was like and not not to be weird about it it was just like you know it it i think it showed me it showed me what our band actually was in a way that i didn't understand before and the truly strange way that we write songs that was that was like the real wild one for me was like having people be like so i do this there and we were like yes Oh, yes, wait, but actually the third time you do it yeah, this way. Yeah, but don't do it like that in the third time because you have to... <laughs> yeah. And also, oh, we don't... We always think our stuff yeah, so don't simple. do it here because if you don't do it here, then when you do it again, it's more exciting. Yeah. Relearning decisions we made, you know, 
so many years ago mm-hmm. and like trying to remember like what we were thinking then <laughs> yeah yeah it was also really it's it was so strange i think there's a moment in the trailer for the doc uh where i talk about how one of the strangest parts about playing with sylvanesso is that i'm constantly singing with younger versions of yes, myself yes i love that part yeah. yeah and so it was super fun to all of a sudden not have them be 23-year-old Amelia's <laughs> um, and to get and to get sweet Molly and Alexandra singing with me. Well, also, oh God, the other the so other crazy great. part was, you know, we had we were almost at that point we were kind of rounding the corner on finishing mm. the writing for our next record. Pause the podcast. It's time to step away just for a little bit from our conversation with Sylvanesso to share a little something Engineer Adam and I like to call the live show of the week. That time I went real short. I went real short. Why do we have to talk about it as well? We talk about how great it is every time because it's wonderful. We are are not harmonic nun (laughs) sizes. This week, we're thrilled to let you know about an extra special 24-hour radio takeover coming to the London-based NTS radio this Saturday, May 2nd. NTS is live on the internet, so you can check in from anywhere out in the world. And among those included on the lineup this year are Erica Badu, leading Guided Meditations, Mm -hmm. Kevin Parker of Tame Impala, and even Jonah Hill. There will be performances, there will be DJs. There will be DJ sets. There will be a little bit of everything. It's going to be incredible. I was personally pumped. I'm just saying words. They're all true words, though. I was personally pumped to see uh, experimentalists Mm -hmm. such as Angel Bat David, Boredoms and Sun, some of my all-time favorites all together. It's going to be incredible. So when does that start? When can we start streaming? You can tune in on Saturday, May 2nd, starting at 9 a.m. London time, which is 4 a.m. in New York, 3 a.m. in Chicago, and 1 a.m. in Los Angeles. And then it goes for 24 hours from that time. Oh, my God. I just read that there's also Fortet, Georgia Smith, Eve's Tumor, not to mention that they'll also be raising money for the Global Food Banking Network. So you can do good while feeling good. Yes. And for everybody who listened to us last week, chat a little bit about Raising Hope and have dedicated a little bit of their money and time toward that initiative. Thank you. We appreciate it so much. Thank Thank you. you. We appreciate it more than you know, because already the initial goal was 200,000 rand, and it has gone up to 350,000, and it's nearly there. So in 10 days, they raised not only hope, but 350,000 rand. Which is is an incredible amount. That's going to change so many lives. So keep giving. We're going to continue to put that link. And also, I wanted to ask... Any of the listeners now? Quickly, I know you need to get back to the chat, but if anyone has any initiatives or charities that they are really passionate about and want us to shout out, please just email us at thismustbethegig at gmail.com or find us anywhere on social media and let us know. In addition to supporting the Global Food Banking Network on nts.live, that's where you can head to the live stream, nts.live, you also have an opportunity to make a difference for artists this Friday, May 1st. It's the latest in the monthly series where Bandcamp will donate all of their portion of sales back to the artists. So that means anything you buy, all the money will go straight to the artists and bands that you're supporting. 
there are so many albums coming out on Friday. So this is kind of a perfect time. And I've, I have been waiting. I know. Getting my list I know. together. I am going to buy, let me yeah. tell you. What? The new album from, the new album from Man Man. Oh. Who are longtime yeah. favorites of mine. Dream Hunting in the Valley of the In-Between is the name of their new record. It's their first in seven years. Oh, my god! And gosh. I cannot wait. My shopping list is a mile long, as long <laughs> as a CVS receipt. Hey. Up near the top is definitely Austra, the new album, and we'll have her on the show soon. There are a lot of singles. I can also, if you want to know some of my list, just ask me. Tap me on the DM shoulder. But... Okay, excitement done. No, it's not. Back to the excitement of the show. <laughs> oh, my God. Let us return to this week's interview quickly. Back to me, Amelia and Nick. Enjoy. I was kind of wondering how I was going to connect to our older material, like when we came back out again. Right. You know, I, I, I feel like I was kind of looking for a way in to stuff that made a lot of sense to me seven years ago or whatever. And, and I resonate less with now. And then this totally just reminded me what the songs were in a different way. You know, it, it like, it like showed me why they made sense to me now. Uh, yeah. it, and it, I, it's tough to explain beyond that, but it was like, it was, it totally, it just totally changed the way I saw our catalog. I love that you had that experience as well, because not only did you, you know, before all of this quarantine stuff, but also, as you said, just from a business perspective. So I feel like symbiotically, a lot of the things aligned very well for you guys in this regard, like having that experience and playing with your friends, but then also giving yourself a chance to look at your old songs in a way you know, in a new way. I don't, I don't, I don't know if artists are even, if artists can give themselves that opportunity now. It's really, you know, unless, if, unless you're doing like a reissue, I suppose, then you get to look back at your catalog. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really serendipitous thing Yeah, uh, that would not have happened if not for like a bunch of different people having great ideas at the same time. You know, it was, it was, it was really cool. You know, it's like our booking agent was also somebody who like ever since we did this, that Echo Mountain Sessions uh, mm-hmm. thing a while ago, which was uh, if anybody doesn't know who we are, that's the last uh, band, full band thing that we did, has been saying like, you know, we sh- you should totally carve out time to do that if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then we had this whole year of recording coming up and she just said, you know, this would actually be a time where we have enough lead time and enough free time to make this work. Yeah. She and her manager hatched it together. Yeah. And we said, you know it first. <laughs> did you? Yes. Well, Amelia did. I did. <laughs> oh, I love, I love saying no. Which is weird for somebody who loves making friends. Wait, yeah, right. I right. know. <laughs> Maybe it's my contrarian nature. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's like a sense of like huge vulnerability in just saying yes all the time. Like there's no, there's like, you need a little bit of control. I think also yeah. because I work so collaboratively and yeah. we're so close with our manager that saying no sometimes just gives me a little time to think about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is he just buying time? Yeah. Like, Hold on. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <sicko>. <laughs> no, I get that. I totally get that. Also, so whilst you were doing this um obviously practicing for the with tour 
you had already written your album, the new album, or were you still in the process of it? Like, how did those two things overlap? I mean, we were probably like three quarters done, two thirds okay. done. Yeah, two thirds done. Something like that. We could see the light, but we yeah. still needed a few more songs we loved. Yeah. We could okay. see the light, but we didn't know where it was coming from. Right. <laughs> That's why you're the lyricist. La, 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 la. <laughs> did you find, did you learn anything? This might sound like a, a silly question, but was there anything that you experienced in that time that made you go back to the drawing board and go, okay, I want to shift this here, or I like the way that this one did that, and I want to try and emulate that? You know, like how much of that experience affected the the new record i think it just made me more confident because it made me feel like our band wasn't about how we sounded it was about the songs we wrote and about connecting with people you know it really reminded me what our band was actually about and it felt like it felt like the music could be anything you know it, it free it totally you know especially we played it like stems and tracks a lot in our live show and i think there's kind of a subliminal cementing of the song to a recording that can happen in your mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. And this just like broke all that up and made me remember that like the songs were just the songs and the, and that our band could be whatever we wanted it to be at any time, you know, mm -hmm. like this, it, it was so crazy going into this and seeing how differently the songs sounded. But at oh, the gosh, end of the day, yeah. it totally felt like our band to me. Like it, th mm -hmm. that show felt like a Sylvanesso show. It didn't feel like some weird, other energy Fan it felt fancy no. version of yeah it, and i think that was so shocking to me yeah. that we could change it that much and it still totally felt like how i wanted our band to feel yeah right so going back in it was like well we can do anything we want like stop worrying about it 100 percent. i also had like a complete renewed sense of confidence and like not even renewed but new founded sense of confidence in that like one I could front a band that big and two like because we had taken a year off it's so wildly surreal our our regular life is so very different from our touring life and that we live in North Carolina so like there's not in a small in like a relatively small community so uh it's kind of easy to forget that our job is this awesome and that we get to do it all the time and getting to getting to take that band and play in those beautiful historic rooms that I've some of which I've heard about for my whole life and have never actually set foot in felt like you know just handed me handed me back the the confidence it's like a validating mm. thing yeah i think of all the instrumentation on that with to that that band i think the most surprised i was by how perfectly the woodwinds fit in like prior to even like seeing that band and all of you guys i think i'd only ever seen yeah as i said earlier i'd only ever seen the two of you perform as sylvanessa together just the two of you but suddenly there's this like lushness this ex this the space the pacing was different and then like there was that tenor sax and that beautiful bass clarinet, which I love so much. On the new record, did you bring in some of that uh, that you experimented with for the tour? It's not, there's no saxophone on there. It did open up this kind of, the new record's like, 
it feels really like roomy and textural. Everything feels, there's like a, like that feeling to me remains. Would you agree with that? Mm. There's like a, there's like a. Yeah. There's a new, there's a new like sonic expanse. Yeah. It, it feels like much softer and weirder and also poppier, I think at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And sadder too. It's also quite sad. <laughs> it's more fun and sadder. Which the classic Sylvanessa oh, experience. My favorite. <laughs> Dancing and crying. I love the cut between the mystic connection of the full band playing the music together to you all being in that like hacky sack circle. It seemed like you were almost practicing that give and take that reaction to the unexpected like moving together without thinking you know it was a really it was a really nice view of just how you all worked so well together but are there things that that you did to bring together in that way you know to to make sure that you communicated how you felt about the songs or do you feel like it was just unspoken the collaboration man i think it was a little bit of both yeah, we yeah. the caliber of musicians we were working with, like everyone just knew, like not only knew how to play beautifully, but also really knew how to function as a cog in a greater machine. Yeah. And like how to lend their artistry to a greater whole in a way that is true truly rare. Yeah, I I mean at first we sent out this big email to everybody that yeah and that was kind of like you know at, on the brass tack side of it it was like every song that we wanted them to learn and then each song it was just like suggestions of what everybody could play mm-hmm. but even within that there was a lot of like we we made it really clear like if you have an idea like do that do idea. that yeah like right. this this isn't we what we want like we invited you because we love you and what mm-hmm. you do so like our thing that we kept talking about was like, how do we like, how do we show everyone what we're aiming at mm-hmm. and then let them get there in their own way? Yeah, because that 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 is the best way to get to the ecstatic truth of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody knew how we wanted it to feel like emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then all of the other stuff just kind of flowed, you know. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a rewarding failure during the process? Like anything that you tried to do that just really actually turned out for the best because it just didn't work out? What was the song that we were trying to do? We had we were trying to do a version of... Oh, we were trying to do a version of Parade. Oh, yeah, because I thought... that was I had a terrible idea. That's really that what it was. Ba- <laughs> you don't have to tell them it was your No, idea. it was my idea. That's cool. Uh... It was his idea. It was my idea. Um, <laughs> it was only your idea. No well, it was, it was a classic, it was a classic musician, like rookie okay. mistake, which was okay. like a couple of years ago, we were at the Eau Claire's festival and yeah. Phil Cook was doing a set and he was like, why don't you guys come up and we'll do parade, but like Nick, you can play bass and like, we'll just do it with my band and like in this style. And it was just like, it was the funkiest, awesome. coolest. It was like, we, it yeah. was just so fun and free and ridiculous, and we just had a great time. And we did it into, uh, we like did parade, and then we seamlessly transitioned into. Yeah, it was like Phil had this whole idea to do like a like a combo like big band song. Anyway, so it was just this thing that like it was like this perfect when something's like perfectly unrehearsed. 
and it just like you only ran it like twice and then it, it's on stage. Yeah. It was just like great. And the classic mistake you make is like something working one night that's off the cuff and then you being like, let's do that tomorrow night. And then it sucks. Right. And then it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Recre- recreating that magic, I yeah. suppose. Like you don't realize that yeah. what made it work was so many other chaotic factors. factors that had nothing to do with your dumb idea, you know? Yeah. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so I was like, that was great. Like, let's do, let's do that. And then we tried it and it was just like, this is terrible. It was like we were trying, it was like we were all trying on different clothes or something. It was really cool, right. though, but it was a moment when the whole band together decided that we needed to go in a different direction. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden it was, it was just like one of those very special moments when like everyone realized that they had agency and ownership in the mm. in the way that the songs were going to be yeah or like particularly like nick has an idea but if we all tell nick his idea is bad then <laughs> which is true it was great I feel like weirdly nostalgic having to look back at it as it is in the past because we don't know when the world is going to resume again but on the show i always talk to my guests about their first concert experiences so like the very first show they ever went to and some obviously are more sentimental than others but do you both remember that very first show or maybe the one potentially that made you feel like that was something you could do Mm. i mean i remember my first concert it was very it was a very strange first concert what was it it was uh me my dad took me to see michael hedges Who's that? Michael Hedges is a, he's dead now. May he rest in peace. But oh. he, uh, he was a instrumental, like guitar player. Uh, my dad's like a big, like guitar guy. Like he's a really fantastic guitar player. Um, and he really wanted to go. I must've been like nine, 10. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was a kid, you know, I was like a yeah. kid, kid. And it was at the Barrymore in Madison. And I remember he came out and I didn't know what to expect. I just remember that my dad used to play his music like when he was cooking dinner, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? So it was like kind of a vibey show to take a kid to. <laughs> like it was this like instrumental guitar player guy. And he came out and he was, he launched himself out of, from the backstage and he was spinning in a circle really fast. And there was all these stacks of amps on the stage, like as like set dressing or something. Yeah. Wait, what? Have I not told you about this? No. It was, I remember it super clearly and he's whipping around and everyone's kind of like, cause this is, keep in mind, like kind of a new agey, chill, like harpy guitar player guy. it's a chill ass scene. Yeah. And he's like finger tapping and stuff and like, like he's playing while he's he's playing and spinning in a circle. Like as a, like uh, I'm here, like the show's starting, you know? Was he wired? Yes. Oh my God. It was a wireless rig. Oh, it was a wireless rig. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He, yeah, he was, sorry. He was wireless. Okay. And um, he he's spinning backwards in a circle. And then at one point, the headstock of his guitar smacks one of these giant stacks oh, God. of speakers. And it, so everyone's already kind of like, this is a weird vibe to start this show. <laughs> and then he hits this thing and there's this giant bang. And then... Uh, the speaker kind of starts wobbling ominously like it's going to tip over. And suddenly everyone's like a hushed silence. And it's like, this is like the most rock and roll this show could have possibly gotten. Like right in its opening minute. 
That's all I remember about so that. So wait, did did the amp fall over? What happened? It was just wobbling. It it wobbled and then finally came like by a miracle came to a stop. It didn't fall. And there was kind of a collective like everyone let their breath out. Yeah. Keep in mind this whole time he's playing the gentlest, like intricate new age harmonics guitar playing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm f- I think that's fucking great. Like, why not? If you're going to shock a crowd, like, you know, potentially murder them. Also, it's just one of those things where now looking back, I'm like, oh, clearly, like, this was the honest music that you make. But it just had nothing to do with your physicality as a person. Yeah, your personality. You express yourself musically in one way and physically in a totally different way. And they're kind (laughs) of (laughs) incongruous. Well, at least they can be. Oh my God, what a great memory. Thank you for sharing. I love it. It's so visual. And you, do, Amina, do you remember your first one? Yeah, I had, I'm not sure exactly. I remember seeing Little Feet in Peterborough, New Hampshire when I was like 11. And I think I saw Jeff Beck at the Tweeter Center when I was around seven. Yeah. Then I remember going to see 98 Degrees live. Oh, fuck yeah, you do. At the, wow. at the Tweeter Center <laughs> for like an all that, like an all that concert series. Like all oh, that. Yeah. Like, like all the, that, the Nickelodeon the show. The Nickelodeon show. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so fucking cool. So like Keenan Thompson was there. Um, it was cool. Keenan Thompson still Kenan delighting Thompson us great. on a weekly basis. Yeah, 98 degrees. I think like, yeah, that was the cool, that was the one where I first saw like dancing on stage in in, like. Totally. Like it was like a pop show. It was a pop show. It was like a full production. And it was a, it was a, um, what, uh, what's a review essentially. Like there was like, like every, it was definitely a tour. I don't know how thinking about the production of it now seems like a nightmare. They must have been rolling with like 20 buses. Yeah. Um, Cause there was like 12 different acts and everybody played one song. Yeah. It was like a radio oh, wow. show. Yeah. And it was all the track. Yeah. It was so cool. It's got to be like that. What's that crazy radio show that everybody, like, band people always talk about? That's like the, the Jingle Ball? The Jingle Ball. <laughs> <laughs> and all your first experiences and things like that was then the idea of performing for either of you ever an option like was that ever especially to the extent that you do it now did, did that ever come 
come into your brains like oh or into your consideration like this is something that I can see myself doing I think for me that happened like when I started going to DIY shows and go like when I got more into like why and of Montreal and like Mount Erie and Thanksgiving and all of those like K records like yeah all those like yeah sad sad boys when I started started seeing all of them I was like oh I could do this 100% (laughs) I could be a sad boy. I could yeah, be a, I could be a yeah. sad boy too. <laughs> um, yeah, or I always like I always definitely knew that like what I wanted to do is be a performer, and I'm sure when I was watching mm-hmm. 98 Degrees, I was like, I want to do this, but with better songs. <laughs> they had some jams though. They did have some jams. Um, they had some jams, and they're not listening to this, so you don't have to worry. You never know. <laughs> Nothing but respect. Know. Nothing but respect for 98 Degrees. I love y'all. I always hope Nick Lachey is listening. Yeah. Can you imagine if he listened to my show? Oh, that would be really good. Um, but wait, did you guys watch Love is Blind? Is he from Is he from that? Yes. yes. Wait, That's him. He, is. He, was the, he was the host. With yeah. The yeah. yeah. Did you finish it? Oh, yeah. We, we need to yeah. finish it. We, got, we need maybe, to watch it. It just, that one episode made us so sad. Guys, it's, awful it's absolutely terrible humans are are just the worst but you gotta watch it that's that's the thing for so so many human endeavors yeah humans are the worst but you gotta watch it (laughs) it's a bad accident idea it's like you just gotta you gotta see it happen but so just looking at performance in that way and learning how to perform essentially like as you go along, which is what tends to happen. Were there any performers that you looked to where you thought like, this is exactly, I connect with this artist. This is how I want to present myself, whether it's like the same feeling on stage or the costumes or anything. Was there any sort of kind of meter or role model in a sense for either one of you of how you you know can perform on stage or should perform on stage I mean I think I like I've always been fascinated with true confidence or like Mm. when when you see a performer and what they do is make you feel comfortable even though they're doing things that are very hard but like you know like they make you feel a sense of that you're being taken care of in some ways, like like with Prince, or yeah. like like anything could happen, but he's controlling all of it. So I think like inspiration wise, definitely Prince. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, also, yeah, like so many other Dolly Parton. Oh, that's right. I love Dolly. Yeah, she's the best. Also, like totally makes you feel taken care of, and also like you're just like getting to hang out with her. Yeah, because there are some people you see where, like, either – or uh, I never wanted to be the sort of performer that made you feel like, like, yeah, you can be here if you want to, but also you can leave because it doesn't matter. Right. Like, the, yeah, because it always only ever comes down to uncaring. Like, it never comes across as the person is caring when they feel like you can just leave. Like, if it doesn't matter to you, like, if uh, that, that there's, there's no humanism in that. No, I totally agree. It is strange. It also just seems really untrue to me because there's the thing that you're you're giving a thing. Uh-huh. You know, well, that's like, the whole magic of a concert is that all of you are right. there together, focused on this one thing for this one period of time. Yeah. 
you know, that's it like negates the central premise of the whole. Yeah. Point. <laughs> and when people put their trust in you to be good, like, I think that you owe them, you owe them that, or like you owe them the, the ability to give, give as much as you can. Or we will take that fan off your hands right now. <laughs> but I was honestly, what is, what is interesting is like, what do you need then to have a really good show? Because I know what I need as a fan and as somebody on this side of the equation, this side of the stage, essentially. But what do you both need in order to do your job and do it really, you know, in a way that feels true and feels wholesome and feels right? I need to know uh, that nobody can see my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all can. I just want to tell you. Just wanna, no, I, know, I mean, I can imagine, especially with your fucking ridiculous flexible high kicks and jesus how you even do that stuff i don't even know it's just phenomenal phenomenal thank thank you so much i have because of the leotards and tights that i started wearing on stage i i've had like different because you when you do that you wear like two pairs of tights yeah 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 oh but the outfit that you're wearing in the film in the live film is just like a piece of art it was that is just incredible the, whatever that is thank you I, so much i had them all handmade i had six outfits <gasps> made by my friend elizabeth g warren who and we all different colors mm-hmm. uh, wait what did we see we saw like a pinky yeah you saw a beautiful pink. the beautiful pink puff which i think is my is the winner yeah because i told her i wanted to look like a sexy michelin man and she totally got it <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing no you definitely look like a puff like there's just this cloud yeah oh, you still can see your body which i think is so important for the way that you perform the choreography and everything and how closely entwined it is to the way that you sing as well and the way that nick like you know everything everyone's playing so i still quite like that it was sheer yeah, yeah that was right. part of the dream was being able to yeah. be like no you need to be able to see also i had coordinated underwear that matched <laughs> Like each, each different color, outfit. Yeah. It, was oh, really cool. it was so fun. <laughs> it really looked intentional. Like there was so, but so does your, it always feels like that watching you guys. I think, do you feel like you have to put on sort of a costume and to get into that mindset? I had some costumes for the last main tour, but the, the with, the with costumes real were like the fanciest by far that I've ever had. Well, and it wanted to be like your version of a thing that you'd wear in these halls yeah like yeah. something that you would wear if you sang at the philharmonic like that's what it was like what's the sylvanesso version of that garment yeah exactly exactly and it really helped get like get in the zone that's i have cool. like a warm-up tape that i do and i do my makeup and i have a gin and then i put on my outfit wait is this your pre-show ritual does this happen every show or is this just for this oh Wait, have you ever missed a, have you ever not ever done that? Is it, is it, or is it like there's, is there a superstition tied to it too? It's not really a superstition, but if I like, I have, I have winged it before. Yeah. When I needed to. Um, but if I'm going, like, if I'm going to play for over an hour, I definitely need to warm up. Yes. Um, if only because it makes me feel like I'm taking care of myself. Also, I think with all the craziness, like where our show, especially in the States, is at now, it's like it's a really big production and there's like a lot of moving parts. 
And like the stress level is like exponentially higher than it was, you know, when it was half the size it is now. And so finding the thing to do that helps like calm you down and remind you that it's just a show like that. I think that's really important. You know, like it used to be easier to remember that I could just like be sitting at the bar and then someone would be like, oh, you're on. And I could just walk right on stage and do it. And now I feel like I need much more of a like I need to be able to like calm myself down from whatever the day's been and like mm. chill out about it and then like just forget <laughs> the bigness of it. Yeah. We always say picnic to yeah. each other before we go on stage and it's because we we played this weird like ad agency thing this <laughs> one time which is like the worst band gig. We realized that we went out there and it kind of cemented this thing that we talk about all the time now but it's like we went out there and just like kind of shrugged at each other and just played it honestly and like asked people questions and like it ended up being an awesome set even though it was at this like company picnic and now it's like we have to treat every show like it's a picnic like you have to go like you can't catch yourself going through the motions yeah you have to be connected we have to be connected to each other and ourselves and the environment that we're in yeah otherwise you're just faking it yeah that's not fair and like i think that's really easy to get in to accidentally do when you're on tour because you're doing the same thing every night Um, and so I think it's easy to accidentally fall back into like a muscle memory. And so like that thing you were talking about earlier, like what do we need for a show to feel good? Like I need to feel like I didn't fake anything. Yeah. You know, I need to feel like I was like fully present the whole time and like connected with Amelia and like hearing the audience and looking at them and seeing them and understanding what they're saying. Like that's like taking chances that that's kind of stuff always that's like the whole thing that's important i think i mean emotionally just talking about like the emotionality of that it's it's very difficult to compartmentalize your day when you are being like shuttled from one place to the other you know without a chance to have that perspective so taking that time like before a show and making a conscious decision like this is what's going to happen we're going to you know this is what we're doing now as opposed to just carrying your day or your life with you is um is a really wonderful thing but i don't i don't i think that it sounds easy how you both are talking about it but i don't think it's i think you've you've got experience now enough with it to know that that's what you need and we're fortunate enough to have like when we are playing shows and on tour the whole mm-hmm. one we know the machine and trust everyone that we work with so so mm-hmm. much that like at any given moment during the day, we know where everybody is. We know how everybody's feeling. And yeah, and our whole day is like the only thing we do that day is play the show. So we're in a and we're in an incredibly privileged situation in that way. We're like, if I wanted to, I could sleep until five. Sound check. <laughs> go back to bed. Wake up at eight. Put on my makeup for an hour and then go. But then when you do feel a little bit like, not stressed, but a little bit like derailed, I don't know, something's gone wrong. Like, I don't know if it's something that's happened with a ticket to somewhere or you've been delayed or I don't know, just life stuff. There's always stuff, like even if you weren't a very successful touring musician, how do you make sure that you are balancing like being honest with that feeling and then also just throwing it away so that you can perform. I mean, isn't that kind of a whole being a human thing? Yeah, for me, it comes down to trust. Since we have a tour manager and an incredible crew of people, 
all of those little things, like if I'm doing my job right, if I get stressed out about that stuff, it'll affect them. Right. Because they'll feel like they're not doing a good job taking the pressure off me. So like you have to like truly trust your crew and then it doesn't touch you. And you have to have them trust you enough that like if something truly needs to get to us, that they know what that line is and they know that they can always talk to us about anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's... You got to let go, you have to like let, we have to let go of our like micromanaging spirit. The balance between like, like isolating and then being in a weird zone on stage or like trying to be present while also be like at peace and also with the crew and like all, all that stresses. It's like, there's never one day where the solution is the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like every tour feels like a tidal ebb and flow of different things that are coming and going. And even like, I don't think there's been a single run of our career that has felt exactly like the previous run. No. You know what I mean? It's always something different or it's bigger or it's a different kind of venue or we're in this place now or we, you know, it's ever, it feels like it's been constantly changing since we started. So I think that is what we've gotten good at being comfortable with is like trying to be better like leaders for Mm -hmm. the people who work with us, Mm -hmm. but then uh, also getting better at like letting go and like embracing that like it's not going to feel the same every night. It's not going to feel the same every tour that like everything is always changing. And that's just the nature of being alive. That would be good. You know, here, here I was getting nervous about gearing up to doing like just a solid shed tour. And now we have this pandemic, like I'm totally prepared. (laughs) It's just another (laughs) level of change. What is something that you feel like you've both, maybe this is unfair because I wouldn't know how to answer this, but is there something that you've both taken for granted a little and you've only kind of realized now, like in the last month. I think I always knew that we were all in this together, no matter what your political point of view was. Uh, that that was a that was an inherent quality of being an organism on a planet together. But the depth and scope of that, even just within our tiny, super lucky little lives, has been absolutely like astonishing, like. I mean, everyone we know is either a touring crew person, a person in a band, uh, or a, a person in the music industry, a restaurant person, like a chef or a waiter, bartender, right. etc., or a musician who supplements their touring income by working as a restaurant person. Yeah. So, like, everything's on fire with everyone we know. You know what I mean? It's like like the the... Like what the only other people we know are farmers and like, they don't have restaurants to sell to, you know, it's like, like the inherent truth uh, that we are all in this together. I think I always felt that, but I never felt it as deeply as I feel it right now. I feel like I'm still finding new ways that we are connected. Yeah, I love that. I think it is quite astonishing, like to notice how we're all connected, but in this weird, like everyone obviously you know, aside from the financial kind of chaos and the, you know, loss of life happening, I think it's just hard for everyone just to sit still and be alone and kind of quiet in that uncertainty. As you said in the beginning of the conversation, both of you, like, this is what you normally do. You work at home. You're used to being kind of isolated as writers. I I feel the same. I've worked from home all my writing career. So I know 
I know isolation, but nothing like this, of course. It also is so, so, uh, or for, for me, like one of the most important balancing elements of working from home was taking care of myself by taking myself out and right. into the world. <laughs> right. You yes. know, like I know how to yeah. feel sane like this, but it's, but it's because mm-hmm. I would, was like constantly being like, ah, I feel bad, and so a change of location mm-hmm. will clean the scene for me. I really yeah. miss that. The ability, you know, it just makes me um, so so grateful for my mobility. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like you guys just talking about like the state of everything right now? Because I know we've got to um, wrap up soon. But do you feel like these live streams and obviously with you releasing kind of essentially the like grand film it's such a perfect opportunity almost now with everyone watching shows from their couches and now they'll be able to watch your film but are you going to be doing like any live streaming things especially around the film or the new material like what are you what's your connection to that it's not something we're super comfortable with yeah but it's something that i mean obviously now we're talking about how we could make that stuff work. We have a couple of things that we're already doing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I think that will probably come out by the time this comes out, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's learning a new thing for us. It's not how we have ever thought about presenting what we do. So that doesn't necessarily mean we're against it. It's just like, it's, you know, now we are going to learn this new thing and we'll see if that feels honest and right to us. Yeah. Yeah. I just always want, if we're going to be playing shows, I always want to feel like they are, uh, you know, honest and, and open and live streaming is so far away from what we do when we play a show. specifically in that way yeah like if we played yeah yeah so i'm like or how do you ride an energetic wave it's so hard to play to imagine playing us playing a show when the only face i can see is like my own looking back at me like that's that sounds like a like just pure nightmare to me Right. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, we've our whole thing this whole time has been like, how do we make this as honest and transparent and connected and connected as possible? Like how? how and I think talking into a phone like camera has always felt like the opposite of that to yeah. us, right. which doesn't mean you, it can't be done. I just don't, you know, it's like something we're thinking about. Yeah, now. yeah we keep on talking about it and trying to figure out a way for it to feel Honest. I want our fans to love it. I want us to love it. But I don't. I the worst thing that we don't want to do is try something out that kind of all of our fans feel like rubs them the wrong way. It doesn't feel like that that thing that I want them to get from our our connection. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like so. That's like the nightmare scenario to me. Is like you know launching into it without thinking about it enough, and then. Figure like kind of having everyone be like, "Oh, this is yeah. this is not what I this is not why I like these guys." Yeah, you know? or the nightmare is that it'll, it'll make people feel more alone. Yes, which is the thing that I've that I've watched happen with like a couple different live God, streaming that, events where I'm like, "Oh no!" Like the thing yeah. the thing they're shooting for, you know, and the po- the positivity just rings wrong, right? And it's it's having the opposite effect. Yeah, and I, but I think what's fascinating, I think, in this conversation 
essentially is that like having a conversation about something in technology that doesn't necessarily suit your way of working it it's sad that it is not like it's not the only way that you can connect with fans right now. Clearly, you're going to be releasing an entire film for them um, and, a, you know, a record. But I do feel like there is this sense of urgency where people are like, oh, well, you know, I have to do it because everybody else is doing it. So I need to just go live and talk to everybody. And I just, I don't know, that kind of rubs me the wrong way a little. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think at the same time, it's like I see people doing it right like have you watched the tweety show at all oh yeah i mean yeah it's the cutest like that's but that's perfect like that i watch that and i feel totally in it you know like Mm -hmm. that's they nail it and that works perfectly for them it's also but like that's what jeff does yeah yeah that's what that's what i was so well suited to that although he does obviously function so brilliantly in a band like you can picture he's so strong on stage he's so great can we talk a little bit about like how you understand like success like what it means to you like why you feel accomplished at certain stages like especially with the finality of this film and you know coming out with a new album hopefully this year selfishly i will say this year um but no pressure like how do you understand it like what does success mean for you like why do you feel at any point that it is something you know that you have achieved i mean i think it's felt different at different stages of our career like i think i still i mean both of us still remember the day that we got the call that we could open for tune yards for like 8 weeks was that the first tour no it was like the third but we got i mean we got very lucky early on like yeah. our first big tour was opening for volcano choir mm-hmm. and yeah. then um we did a couple of like smaller headlining things and we went out with uh Matt Causes band Minor Alps and then we Got this call, we all had tune yards, and but getting that call, we had just enough other stuff lined up that it meant I could quit my restaurant job, and like I think I'm, I mean I almost cried. Like it was, you know, like to me that that's still kind of the ultimate what I consider success, and and I think like like that this is my only job. Yeah, I think that I think like the most palpable feeling of success was when we figured out that if we made two hundred and fifty bucks a night. <laughs> yeah that we could keep on going that we could keep going like yeah. yeah and that we could just do it every day like because yeah. i remember like that that high might eclipse all of the other highs the minute we started getting more successful you know the ceiling opens up above you and you can see what the other success looks like all the way up to the top yeah which like isn't isn't actually necessarily what I want. It doesn't look good past a certain point. Yeah, it doesn't look great (laughs) past a certain point, but, like, there's still, like, a a wish to get there. Like, artistic success, I feel like that, I've, that, that's a thing where the goalposts are always moving in all sorts of different directions, and Mm. you get to feel it for a while, and then you feel like you're a fraud, and then you feel it again, and then, you know, (laughs) that's been going on for my whole, ever since I started making music. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Always a little unhappy. Yeah. That's the way to do it. (laughs) That's true. Just keep yourself a little bit on edge, with a toe, a toe in the murky water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right now, I think that the biggest thing... Right now, I think the biggest thing we talk about a lot is like, how, you know, how do we, how do we make the band a thing that's bigger than the band? You know, how do we like we're 
we were like building the studio and you know like that's a place that we want like a lot of fun things to happen we're we're you know, we're trying to start all sorts of different things which now who knows if any of them are going to happen but like yeah but yeah. you know it's like that's that's always kind of the thing now it's like i think i we finally both felt like a little bit comfortable? No. Mm. With what? Well, with where the band's at. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, maybe last year? Uh, yeah. I mean, I want more, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, I was, yeah, sure, of course. But, yeah. like, but like, I think last year was the not. first time where I felt like, oh, I am just a working artist, and that's... Right, like, comfortable in it. Yeah, yeah and I can, I can... My, my job is to remain inspired and to make things and, and be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was... That's been the recent revelation for me, and that, and I think that that's a big thing that the With Tour did was really made me feel the reality of that in a different way. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you already. Consequence Podcast Network.